0: So the, the latest, I think last Thursday at, you know, 2 a.m. or something. It's um, a good time. I was like, I found the new greatest idea. I just read some super cool data science flashcards um, that somebody had, uh, had linked um, across the company. And I was like, you know, all my friends ask so many of these questions. I'm going to start my own uh, uh, you know, set of flashcards. You are listening to Quant Talk, a podcast dedicated to interesting topics in
1: quantitative finance and some uninteresting topics in other things. This podcast is run by Quantopian, a Boston-based company that inspires smart people everywhere to write investment algorithms. Select authors on Quantopian can license their algorithms to us and get paid based on that algorithm's performance. If you are interested in listening to more of our podcasts or watching other content as it comes out, you can follow us on social media. We are at Quantopian on most sites to be notified as we release content. Hi, I'm Max Marginot, the host of Quant Talk. Today on Quant Talk, I sit down with Adam Blackwell, one of our security guys here at Quantopian, to talk about security in general and climbing. Hey everybody, this is Max Margot here with Adam Blackwell, who is an operations engineer at Quantopian. How are you doing today, Adam? I'm doing pretty well. How about you? I'm pretty good, man. The usual stuff. So I, I guess to start off with, you're an operations engineer, right? So what's your background? Where exactly do you fit in here? And how does
0: this all fit under the umbrella of operations engineer? Sure. Our operations team is split between our site reliability, site reliability engineering team and our security team. Um, myself and our CISO uh, work with the security team. Um, I studied computer science at Northeastern um, and I spent some time during my program working at a uh, large healthcare, doing uh, clinical trials, um, as well as two startups, one of, when, one of which went through um, an acquisition, uh, which was super fun. <laughs> I, I came through Quantopian uh, in 2014. I think we were about 20 people in an office about one-sixth the size of our current office. was um, a lot of fun. Uh, and I transitioned from the operations role into the security role uh, in the past year. That's super neat. So, so how, I guess, uh, are the
1: security concerns of a company with like 20 people different from the concerns of a more mature company as you go through? Like sure. I'd imagine like practices change. As uh, the company culture evolves, becomes more solid? Uh, I'm, I'm wondering kind of how you cope with that.
0: Yeah, so from 20 people, um, and when I say transition to the security role, uh, our security role was largely taken on by the entire company, um, and you know each member was accountable for security in their own way, um, and we've formalized that as we grow as a company, um, and that's true anywhere as you grow, um, there are more stakeholders that care about different things. So as okay. we get into a regulatory space, we then have regulators that care about certain things, mm-hmm. our investors, um, users hold us to a higher bar, um, that type of thing. Uh, and even inside the company, uh, different people care about security and specifically risk in, in different ways. Um, so you basically get more um, as you grow mm-hmm. as a company um, and things become more impactful. So like. Uh, it's harder to disseminate knowledge or, or make sure everybody is accountable um, or feels accountable um, as as roles change and like management structure um, mm-hmm. increases. You know, when you're an entirely flat hierarchy, which, which we were at 20 people, um, uh, you just you sit next to everybody and um, things are a little bit easier. So mm-hmm. as you grow, there's some more nuanced pieces around that. Um, mm-hmm. And also as our technology stack grows and we gain, Um, Along with technical debt comes occasional security debt, um, where, you know, we decide whether or not it's worth it to, you know, move our entire ecosystem out of one cloud provider into another in order to get certain benefits or not, because that would be the only thing we could do that year and uh, we wouldn't be able to actually succeed. Um, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, it, it makes a lot more sense, like
1: this start of specialization when you kind of elucidate all these issues that happened as we add more people. So that, yeah. that's definitely interesting. Uh, so I, I guess like one of the other big transitions that happened at this point from like 20 to 50 or so, or 50 odd people, uh, is this transition from like a pure tech company to more of a finance company as we've built out more of the quant finance and back testing and all the other aspects of the site and of the company. So I was wondering if you could speak a little bit to uh, those differences between what sorts of security concerns a pure tech company might have, uh, versus what sorts of security concerns a quant finance or a finance company uh, in general might have. I know I know you mentioned regulations uh, is like one of the things that like uh, add a lot of technical effort, a lot of technical requirements, and I imagine that finance involves a lot of those when you start moving into that
0: space. Sure. Um, I mean, the reason that. Finance is more heavily regulated than mm-hmm. uh, most other industries. Um, Slowly, healthcare is catching up. Um, it's because we're protecting money, and you know most people, you know malicious people trying to get into something or whatnot, yeah. are going after you know most direct things. So yeah. you know Amazon cares about fraud that people don't like trick them into mailing them goods because then they can translate those goods into money, and then that's bad. Um, but people who are trying to go after money um, typically go after places that, you know, have money. Um, yeah, direct access um, to that sort of thing. So uh, that's true of the whole finance industry. Um, and so many of our uh, investors or potential investors uh, care a lot about different things because they're placing their money, they're trusting us with their money. Um, and so they, those regulators are familiar with that care and that, um, you know, those stakeholders. Um, so the goal of the SEC, which is the primary regulator that we, you um, uh, you know, listen to um, is mostly to uh, protect those interests that the whole industry is required to protect and Mm -hmm. to apply sort of some frameworks and guidelines uh, and accountability um, where companies might not necessarily do the right thing themselves, um, and collectively, at least I like to think of it as, you know, more minds uh, make better decisions. Um, Okay. But, of course, there are sometimes where the regulations don't fit, so there's like you know, different criticisms of the Dodd-Frank industry, impacting smaller companies in native ways, and, and uh, squashing innovation, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, there uh, angles over that. I've been lucky to, to not ever have had to feel that way in our role, um, mm-hmm. but I'm sure there'll be a time where the SEC has a box that says, you guys need to do this thing. And I might even think, like, I think that thing might make us less secure. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, to try to think of the reasoning of that box, um, Okay. and why it was important at the time or why it is important to the greater good, to the greater community, um, is it's like a collaboration. So we work with the SEC in order to protect our data uh, in the ways that we think uh, it, need to be protect- it needs to be protected and we rely on them for guidance and clarification um, and regulation. So I'd imagine that there's some very interesting
1: interplay between like the sort of ethics of regulations and the regulations as they're actually implemented and those things which are necessary for proper security. So I, there's bound to be some interesting uh, interactions between what's like ethically right to do and like the regulations as written and how those interact with security itself, right? Because like sometimes a regulation, I would imagine, would in some way impact security in a negative way, or how someone would, or how a security engineer would view uh, the impact would be in a negative way.
0: Sure. So this is like uh, all about box checking. Um, yeah. So we do check quite a few boxes um, and luckily for us in our current position um, uh, because of the genre of uh, finance company that we are, um, we're not uh, super regulated in comparison to say a bank. Um, uh, so I haven't really had to have this issue of, you know, if I check this box, it will make things worse. Um, mm-hmm. But I have definitely had to uh, sort of read the intentions of uh, different, you know, regulators and, uh, See how they ran with those intentions and occasionally call a little bit of criticism to them. Um, but for the most part, um, especially for us in the US, it's more of a collaboration between, uh, you know, if we think that uh, we would like to protect something in a way that's maybe non standard, um, we feel that we can uh, most of the time argue that um, stance. Uh, there is a case where if your focus is purely to check boxes, um, mm-hmm. which ours is not and I hope it never will be. Um, then you might just be checking all these boxes, but in reality, there's this other thing that's like so much more risk, yeah. and you need to do that as well. You're missing uh, as the boxes in some way, and like that's like the boxes are distracting you from something that is um, more important. Um, so, uh, we've sort of preemptively checked a lot of boxes as we've grown from a software startup to a finance company, okay. um, as our company culture has changed and grown, and we've added management structure and um, our IT. Um, department has grown and, and the different tools and techniques that we use in order to protect information, to protect our, our physical office, mm-hmm. um, uh, and to assess risk have, have grown. Um, uh, and as those things grow, we will care more about different um, you know, regulators mm-hmm. um, and how they interact. And we'll have to think long and hard about those types of things.
1: So kind of like as people specialize more and more, we're able to pinpoint more of the nuances that may be involved. Right. So you talked a lot about security in general and differences in security between like tech and finance and inter- interplay with re- regulators. But I'm curious, so how do you keep Quantopian secure?
0: Sure. So our CISO, that's Chief Information Security Officer, and mm-hmm. myself uh, juggle uh, a lot of small tasks. Um, we manage our bug bounty program, we handle um, application security, which is like software development lifecycle. Mm-hmm. Um, We uh, assess our vendors, Um, we also interact heavily with our information technology um, department, as well as HR and compliance, Um, so some of those are uh, like literally interacting with questionnaires from investors. So an investor might say, hey, do you protect this thing this way? Um, And if not, why? Um, And if we answer wrong, they might say, oh, well, we don't want to give you our money. uh, which is great because it it's really a, um actually been some really fun conversations um and mm-hmm. we're a little bit unusual when it comes to your average um, you know investment vehicle, um, and uh, like each portion of our day to day has evolved over time, mm-hmm. um, so we've uh, structured policy changes that uh, interact with data access so like how our teams have different access access to data or access to control things. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, this is now almost two years, more than two years ago, um, as a small tech startup, every developer had access to all the keys of the kingdom. Um, but as we grew, our operations team, uh, restricted our production environment, uh, from our staging environment. So those are, that was a decision to add a constraint or add a procedure in order to protect something. Um, so we make similar decisions to that on a day-to-day basis. Um, though they're slightly less impactful. So like who can see this piece of metadata. Mm-hmm. Um, and those come down to you know, is that metadata valuable and um, what would happen if it were, if that employee's laptop were to be compromised or like, does that employee travel a lot? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if they're traveling, does that put uh, that information more at risk? Should they do something special when they travel? Mm-hmm. Um, trying to dive into those uh, nitty gritties um, is super fun for me uh, to think about You know, how do you protect uh, data or how do you protect um, things that we care about. Uh, but it really covers a lot of genres of, of things.
1: So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but a bug bounty program is when you essentially say, hey, if you can find any bugs, we'll pay you to tell us about them. Is, is that correct. the general gist of
0: it? Yep. Yeah, I should have said maybe a responsible disclosure program. Um, okay. But the idea of responsible disclosure is uh, every company is going to um, uh, accidentally put something in place that they might not realize um, or... Uh, you know, for example, we also rely on a lot of uh, third party vendors. Uh, so if somebody um, As far as open source projects, um, so if something in our stack whether it is written by us or used by us or like uh, Maybe got put in there by somebody who um, didn't even realize it was being put in there, um, which hopefully it happens very infrequently um, Somebody might say hey I realized that you could break out of uh, your Python sandbox Which is something that's uh, unique to ChronoTopia and it's something we put a lot of effort and and um, pride into um, mm-hmm. that allows all of our users to write code in an environment where they can write code to accomplish their task, to um, research or create a trading strategy or backtest or that type of thing, mm-hmm. but so that they cannot um, you know, access the file system or access a credential or steal all of our data. Um, and so we carefully protect that with um, AST parsing and uh, C groups and we use different uh, you know operating system level constraints um, uh, in order to make sure that that doesn't happen um, but if there is something that somebody finds um, that says hey so I got from this you know one the outer layer of the onion into like one layer deep uh, we might pay them uh, and then fix it um, is the idea of why um, how you know that exact thing that I described has, has happened um, Luckily, we were able to, you know, check through our logs and check to see, okay, there's this thing. Um, it's a vulnerability. Um, based on our logs, we can confirm that um, it has not been exploited, uh, which is awesome. Um, some of those are are more panicked than others, as uh, mm-hmm. you know. In quantum history we've found, um, I think, only one uh, where it was a significant enough vulnerability that we actually just shut down the site. Um, and rewrote a large chunk of code overnight um, mm-hmm. in order to bring the site back up. Um, That's pretty extreme. <laughs> um, yeah, the idea was, um, you know, should we do this or not? And the negative impact at the time was users, we obviously weren't um, at that time trading, um, and also shutting down the site, uh, our mm-hmm. uh, live trading stacks remained active. Um, it was just the front end that we shut down. Oh, okay, so more the usability so
1: users... aspect of it. Right,
0: um, and we had some users uh, applaud us for, for taking drastic action, um, and we had some users say like, you know, dig into it a little bit, but I think we were transparent enough that um, overall, it was the right decision, and I would make the same one again, even right now. Sounds like there's been some pretty good, like, uptake
1: on these bounties in some way or another. Like, a a lot of people screaming out, too.
0: Yeah, I think that we've paid out about $36,000 in bounties. Um, I believe that number is listed on our bug bounty program, Um, and... Uh, those um, reporters are from all mm-hmm. over the globe, um, many of them are, are hiding away in basements, some of them work for security companies doing outside. Yeah. on the, side. Um, the idea being that you get this huge breadth of skill um, from all these people and that yeah. they collaborate with us so um, there are the occasional language barrier that makes it somewhat difficult to interact um, but for the most part we're working towards the same common goal which is to improve the security of um, Of the internet um, or you know insert some altruistic goal Um, but uh, uh, we also work with uh, our program coordinators um, which help to like distribute money and to manage um, you know expectations um, and that type of thing Um, so even there it's an engagement metric um, which is kind of fun to make sure you carefully think about how to keep this community of people engaged so that they continue to benefit you and they continue to benefit from you
1: Yeah, it's definitely another cool aspect of trying to get as many minds as possible working on one problem or another, right? Yeah. Because that's a part that doesn't really get the same amount of exposure as so many people collaborating on the forums come up with, like, an algorithm itself. Or so many people contributing to, like, ZipLine or any other open source library. Uh, Like, this is more like a hidden one, which is kind of neat.
0: Yeah, there are definitely some great analogies between um, you know your typical hedge fund to your crowdsourced hedge fund or whatnot. Um, I should say that in addition to using our um, Responsible Disclosure Program, we also have done uh, white box code audits. Um, okay. We've hired a team of carefully selected four people from a well-known security vendor, mm-hmm. um, and they've <laughs> you know gone through with a fine-tooth comb uh, to find uh, anything they possibly could find. Um, and that works extremely differently, um, but often both have their place. Um, yeah, I mean, it's different approaches
1: to the same problem.
0: Right. Uh, the other thing is there's a trust factor in there. So yeah. our disclosure program, um, you know, even though I have some pretty strong relationships and I actually know some other people at companies who have uh, granted more access, I do not feel comfortable granting access to our source code to anybody who has reported disclosure. Um, versus yeah. if an NDA is involved and they're on-site and you know video calls and this personal. Um, yeah, once you get that you know, prerequisite amount of bonding, uh, you feel fairly comfortable to give over your source code to a, um, a security firm. Um, however, uh, you know, we have spent, uh, just as much, um, you know, it, it's hard to, to allocate funds to those two things because they're so different and you get different results out of it. Um, but they both, um, they have both have value. It's just a question of which ones do you focus on and, um, how do you blur the two um, sometimes, uh, which there's options to do that. Um, and also to see what do other companies do. Um, So I've had a lot of fun talking to people who run other um, bug bounty programs (laughs) and, uh, you know, they go through the same problems that we do and those are fun to learn from.
1: Are there any, like, really consistent elements between bug bounty uh, programs besides the fact that you pay out a bounty for
0: a bug? Um, so there are program guidelines. So there's in scope, out of scope, okay. um, so you often have to figure out what to define as in scope. Um, so for example, basically anything is a website that's in scope. Um, other programs will split into web application versus Internet of Things devices versus okay. um, you know other pieces that quantumain. You know, uh, thankfully for me, we're not an IoT device company. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but they have their own you know genres of problems. Uh, Figuring out uh, consensus, so whether or not you should pay out a bounty for a person. Um, so we try to follow the tact of if an item is actionable, like if we read a result mm-hmm. um, and took an action, then it probably means it should get a bounty, um, yeah. even if it was outside of scope of our program. Um, but also the those program rules protect both the reporter and us. Um, so for example, they prohibit uh, spamming our feedback um, mechanism uh, mm-hmm. so that our support team does not get swamped with random JavaScript gibberish, um, yeah. because that would be no fun for them. Um, no thanks. And uh, they also sort of prevent... So we explicitly say, you know, find vulnerabilities, report them to us, tell them about us, we'll pay you for them, we'll collaborate with you, but please don't, you know, steal data or, then, like, don't exploit don't them. use uh, it. And that is, yeah, don't okay. use a vulnerability for bad. And that intention is kind of hard to draw the line between, because there might be somebody who um, is pretending to be a good person but is actually trying to do something bad and we okay. have to be able to carefully detect that and block the user or you know mitigate it in some fashion. Do you get a lot of these malicious type actors? We do get people um so it's pretty easy to see when somebody's uh not a regular user so like a regular right. user has um <laughs> I don't want to Expose too many of these metrics, but like basically they do similar things. Uh, so if we look at yeah. somebody who comes to the site and like comes through Google or, or comes through whatever other genre of, of link, and then they create certain algorithms or review certain lectures or um, you know read absorb content in a certain way, mm-hmm. um, and that's that is somewhat hard to fake um, in some fashion. Uh, and more importantly, it's really easy to see somebody who comes in with a different purpose. Um, so they come in. Um, you know, right off the bat, we can, we can see if they uh, look legitimate by the number of uh, pieces they produce. Um, and so those are easy ways uh, you can try to filter by IP address to get you some different IP ideas. Um, mm. You know, if somebody comes from this like well-known VPN that's used um, for like anonymous web trafficking, um, most of our users don't do that. So we can just avoid yeah. um, avoid those types of things. Um, some simple things to filter for. Yeah. Just to- and basically, even if it's we think they're not malicious, if they're doing something that, so if you, even if you put five or a number of syntax uh, violations uh, in a row, you'll get banned um, from mm-hmm. QuantarBan and you'll have to reach out and say, hey, my account is somehow not working. And we'll say, oh, sorry, our security sandbox um, thought you were being malicious um, and we'll unblock you once we know that you're not malicious. Um, so we get those all the time. Um, I, I've been blocked um, plenty of times. <laughs> sure. Uh but the more interesting ones are, are less common. Um, I would say there's a small uptick as um, more people get interested in us. Um, mm-hmm. uh, as you might expect. But uh, those are fun for us, for the most part, yeah. and you know, luckily we learn from, from on enormously, which is good.
1: Yeah, as, as people try to probe the armor in some way or another, you get to adapt it. exactly. So, uh, we've been talking a lot about kind of, uh, security as it pertains to Quantopian specifically or in the environment at large. So, so I'm curious, what, uh, keeps you up at night about
0: security? Sure. So I'm constantly learning, um, which is the best part of my job. Probably, um, I learn, uh, you know, different exploits. I have this enormous amount of data that comes to my, um, to every possible mechanism, um, you know, I get reporters that report um, bugs that I have to go figure out how to reproduce. Um, some of them mm-hmm. may be correct, some of them may be copy-pasted and not actually accurate. Um, uh, trying to figure out all that knowledge that I need to learn in order to protect Quantopian is challenging. Um, and I often fear that I'm learning the wrong thing. Um, and then the other related aspect is uh, it's also our responsibility to make sure the whole company is learning. Um, and so we teach, you know, we do security assessments where you're basically phishing your own employees. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, work very closely with our developers so that they understand what the impact of a vulnerability is. Um, so if you know some person says, "Hey, can I use this new library?" and we look at the library and it has like two known CVEs and isn't being actively maintained by the developer anymore because they moved to some foreign country, yeah. we might say, uh, "Let's use something else." Um, that's like a little bit more uh, reasonable. Um, and so figuring out how to uh, collaborate with uh, other teams in a way that Uh, encourages them to learn the right things and to use that knowledge um is a challenge um and so I often worry that I have you know yelled at somebody to do something in a way like softly yelled at them um uh that maybe I should have been focusing on something else or maybe I gave them too little or the wrong information um I mean there's so many um, different
1: angles to this stuff
0: right um so those are like people ask me about their personal um uh security hygiene. So like, mm-hmm. Hey, my, my grandmother's Facebook account got hacked. Um, what should I do? And so yeah. I say like, well, have you heard of this 2 a thing that we require everywhere in our entire company? And they're like, Oh yeah, that thing. And I'm like, well, if you added it to your grandmother's account, it probably won't get hacked again. Um, and those are like amazing learning lessons. Um, like no risk to us. Um, yeah. and they give that new, that employee or that person or, you know, outside of the company as well, um, that little negative information that they can use to, um, Increase you know, to better protect their information. Share it around, they do it and tell their friends, go on, call their yeah. mothers. Yeah. Feel free to call your mom and tell her to enable two FA on her Gmail. She probably <laughs> won't, but you can try.
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure my mother would understand, but I'll do my best. So I guess a, kinda riffing off that, so how should I account for security risk? Like why why do I care uh, about
0: this space? Sure. Um, so every employee of the company cares about our company succeeding, or at least I hope they do. Um, and, uh, you know, there are certain showstoppers um, where, uh, you know, you need to do the bare minimum to make sure that those showstoppers uh, never occur. Um, okay. And then there's like the more barriers of, um, you know, why do we require 2FA on everybody's um, uh, accounts? And, you know, how does that 2FA come into play? And should you leave, you know, uh, Fortunately, it's impossible to like leave your phone unlocked because of uh, you know these things that we've done like device management. Um, yep. But you know, should you try to circumvent our security procedures in order to make your life easier for certain certain fashion, um, you know, as much as we uh, monitor and try to um, encourage good security hygiene, like we can't babysit every possible thing. Um, of people you know leave the office with their devices, and we're okay with that. Um, But, you know, you already care enough to make sure that your computer is not, like, left unlocked um, in front of, uh, you know, pack of Wolverines or, uh, you know. Yeah, you computers know. are expensive. Yeah, uh, or, or, you know. Wolverines could do some damage. They could. Or, or you know, the, the more metaphorical Wolverines of the people trying to, like, take okay. the information off of it. That's um, right. Not literal gnashing um, teeth. Generally. I mean, also, you know, if you lose all of our devices, that's a big bill. We'd have to, like, buy a lot of new stuff. Um, that's fair. So I'm glad that you also care about that factor. But it's the same idea. If you care about protecting, you know, money, like things that cost the company money, Um, You also care about preventing things that would cost us money. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and that comes down into, like, if you're producing content, um, which is a little bit different. So you're trying to, especially in the content where academia is involved, uh, you're encouraging our community to learn certain things. Um, So we often teach, you know, about uh, trade restrictions or, uh, you know, we've added a new feature to the API. API, So we want to shed some light on it. And many of those API features are to empower our users to uh, code defensively um, so that you know nice. if the stock market crashes and their algorithms running then they might yeah. be able to hedge your risk. Uh, hedge your risk um, or um, you know make sure the algorithm doesn't just sank fall in the middle of uh, something <laughs> um, uh, you know avoid those divide by zeros um, in the same fashion we do the same thing to you guys and we explain to you hey here's this 2FA um, this is how what it is um, I should say 2FA is two-factor authentication if, if anybody isn't familiar. Um, Turn it on call your mom. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, There's also, uh, you know, travel tips. Um, You know, you care even if you don't realize it um, a lot. Um, But one thing that we try to avoid is as the company grows um, Mm -hmm. and it becomes more segmented, we might have certain parts of the company that care less about certain things. Um, And to the other side, uh, you know, Neither you or I can wire money out of our accounts and into somebody else's accounts, um, so I'm not going to tell you about how to avoid wire fraud and, and like what yeah. that is. Or I mean, we might tell you little bits and pieces, but I might tell the people who actually can quite yeah. a lot more about that. And, yeah. Um, you know how to avoid CEO fraud and, and these types of phishing scams, um, uh, when you know they could really have some serious repercussions. Um, one way to lose our money is to actually wire all the money someplace else. Um, Luckily, there's many restrictions in place. It can't be done by any one person. Um, And we've got some smart people. And so... Ideally, nobody does that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, I guess enough about security, enough about quantum finance, and enough about all these fun things. What sorts of fun things do you think are
0: fun besides these fun things? What do you mean? I don't do anything else except security. You don't do anything (laughs) but security? Just kidding. Um... (laughs) Yeah, so I spend a lot of weekends uh, either climbing or skiing or uh, basically leaving the realm of my keyboard. Um, doing very insecure things. Uh, doing different, no, you make sure you've you, know, you got redundancy, the same concepts, climbing yeah, at least. Um, of course, cover your bases. But uh, um, although my laptop is, is usually attached to my being at, at most of the time, even if I am halfway up a cliff, um, <laughs> uh, I have actually climbed with a laptop before. Um, <laughs> um but uh <laughs> why um I, I was climbing and then hiking some i was it was a continuous like i wasn't going okay. back to where i came from okay. um and i had my laptop with me because i'm paranoid and i'm worried something will occur that i will need my laptop yeah with, <laughs> but uh yeah and i don't want my laptop to be eaten by wolverines um but um yeah i do try to, to pull play around with that um combination of security and uh, other skill sets. It's hard to pull in the value of learning how to sail to keeping something secure, but um, I don't know, there's definitely some well-roundedness that's that's fun to play in there. Um, uh, Especially around the social aspect of, so I work with a team when I'm sailing or I work with a climbing partner when I'm climbing. um,
1: Make sure everybody has the relevant information. Right make sure everybody knows how to safely get out of certain situations
0: yeah. yeah um backup plans uh you know any well-rounded adventure needs to have at least a dozen backup plans for what if <laughs> what if you lose your rope or uh, you know what if something goes wrong in that manner
1: that's um, what has yeah. the other faces to keep yeah. it well rounded <laughs> right going off of that uh things you find fun things you find interesting you're in the climb, you're into all these outdoorsy things are there, are there any uh Interesting startup ideas, or I'm particularly interested in dumb startup ideas uh, that you've come across that you've developed over the course
0: of doing all the fun things that you do. I feel like you might have, uh, might be referencing something we talked about offline uh, a second ago, but um, yeah, I always like to put down dumb ideas, most of which I never ever look at again. A few of them involve uh, domain name registrations late at night. Um, so the the latest, I think, last Thursday at you know two a.m. or something. it's um, a good time. I was like, I found the new greatest idea. I just read some super cool data science slash cards um, that somebody had uh, had linked um, across the company, and I was like, you know, what? all my friends ask so many of these questions. I'm going to start my own. Uh, you know, set of flashcards, but it's going to be not about data science, because nobody asks me about data science, sadly, <laughs> um, or at least not very many people. But a lot of my friends asked me about stupid climbing jargon, because um, we like to come up with the dumbest words to describe, um, you know, Elvis' leg, uh, it's when your leg is shaking, because uh, you're trying to climb up something. Um, come on, that's too much. <laughs> uh, and, and it goes downhill from there, but, um, so I registered uh, climbingflashcards.com, um, it is a blank domain. Um <laughs> And the goal is, uh, you know, clearly a monetizable goal of putting silly flashcards up on that site. Um, uh, I don't think I have any, um, you know, profitable startup ideas off the top of my head right now. But uh, know, fine. I've, I've got a few friends that have, have uh, passed some ideas.
1: It's a lot more fun if they're just fun instead of meant sure. to be profitable anyway. I, I look forward to seeing uh, <laughs> your website populated. Sure.
0: Yeah, if any, uh, any listeners want to help illustrate those, feel free to let me know.
1: Send in any jargon terms that we may not have heard before. Yeah, that too. All right. Well, I, I guess last question. It's been contentious. I got a lot of I got a lot of uh, hate uh, from our last guest Gus uh, regarding this. But I'm just curious. Would, would you consider a hot dog to be a sandwich? I would not.
0: I don't, come on, man. It's definitely a sandwich. It's got two it.
1: pieces of bread, and you put a thing
0: in between it. Yeah, I don't think so. Maybe if you created a quick SVM, I might consider it a sandwich. Um, <laughs> but I would call that... Simple classifier problem. Wrong, yeah. Um, luckily, our, us, us human brains are slightly better than your average SVM. Yeah. They can um, sort out the difference. I'm, sorry, I meant us, not you. Okay, yeah, um, no, not me. Uh, between the <laughs> hot dog Clearly, the I'm
1: sandwich. the only person who has trouble with this. Right. <laughs> but, all right, well, th- thank you so much for being on the show, Adam. Thanks so much for having me. It's fun. Big thanks to Adam for being our guest today, and a huge thanks to Angie for being our podcast director and, in general, handling the production of these things. I'm Max Marginot, your host, and thank you all for listening to Talk. Quantopian provides this presentation to help people write trading algorithms. It is not intended to provide any sort of investment advice. More specifically, the material is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell, a solicitation to buy, or a recommendation or endorsement for any security or strategy, nor does it constitute an offer to provide investment, advisory, or other services by Quantopian. In addition, the content neither constitutes investment advice nor offers any opinion with respect to the suitability of any security or any specific investment. Quantopian makes no guarantees as to accuracy or completeness of the views expressed in the website. The views are subject to change and may have become unreliable for various reasons, including changes in market conditions or economic circumstances.